0: You are listening to Buy the Book, because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right.
1: This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 45 of Buy the Book. Glad you're with us today. I want to talk about an extremely important topic that will then lead us in future weeks to discuss other things. But I want to talk to you about the Bible. Uh, by the book is based on the idea that if you don't see the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Well, we believe that with all our heart. On my business card for Biblical Family Ministries, I have the little saying, committed to the absolute truth of the Word of God. And that's where we are. That's where we stand. Virtually everything we talk about on the podcast is related to what the Bible says, uh, its perspective on every area of life. And so we do that without hesitation. We do that without apology. Uh, I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and therefore uh, I believe it is true. And therefore I want to understand All that I can about it, and then I want to, in a right way, apply what the Bible says to all of life. And so I want you to think with me about these things today. Uh, The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, in verse 87,
0: this wonderful statement Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word of God is settled. The word of God is complete. It
1: wasn't fully complete in man's hands when the psalmist wrote what he did in Psalm 119, but as we see in the scriptures, the unfolding of revelation, and that's what the Bible is. Early in the Bible, there's not a whole lot of revelation. Revelation, by the way, is truth uh, that we could not know in any other way but that God gives it to us so early in the Bible revelation was was very small but as the Bible unfolded God gave more and more revelation of himself of his truth of his plan and as we study the scriptures we can see how that revelation was finally completed with the completion of Of the New Testament scriptures. Now with confidence, we hold the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, hold that in our hand, and we have every reason to believe this is the completed revelation of God. God is not giving any more revelation. Revelation would be new truth. God is not giving us any new truth about himself, or about the world, or about his plan, etc. All that we see going on in the world is the fulfillment of God's message about his plan and about what he is doing.
0: So forever, the word of God has been settled and is settled in heaven.
1: I can depend on it. I can rely on it. Uh, My challenge, your challenge, is to make sure we know what it says, and we're going to talk about that today, but uh, I want to talk to you about another scripture. John 17 and verse 17. There the Lord Jesus is praying what is often called his high priestly prayer, and as he prays, he prays for believers, he prays for Christians, and prays that the Father would sanctify believers through the word of God. And he makes this statement, a very, very simple statement then. He says in his prayer to the Father, thy word is truth. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about every subject. Sometimes I wish it did, but I can't imagine what the size of the book would be there are certain things the Bible simply does not address in a direct statement. Now, we believe that ultimately the Bible will address all things either by a direct statement or by principle, and we need those principles from the Bible to make decisions and get guidance about life. But the point is the Word of God In what it says, either in a direct statement or in principle or a historic statement, whatever it might be,
0: when the Bible speaks, you can believe it. God's word is truth. Now, why can we rest in that? Well, let me remind you of another text.
1: Paul wrote to Timothy, wrote two letters to Timothy. His second letter, was not only his last letter to Timothy, it was his last letter of all he knew that the time of his death was coming, and he is writing to encourage Timothy, which in turn is given to encourage us and Here's what he said
0: in second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen. Listen to it. He said all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction
1: in righteousness. Verse 17 goes on and says, the reason for the Word of God, given as it is, is that believers might be fully equipped to know how to live their life. But let me focus on verse 16 for a moment, all Scripture. Anytime you find the term Scripture, it's referring to something that is written. God gave us his word, and it has properly ended up by his design in a book that we can hold in our hands. And God says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, the term inspiration comes from uh, the Greek term uh, theopneustos, as I recall. And it means theos, God, and neustos having to do with breathing. So inspiration is that that is breathed out by God. Now, sometimes when we talk about inspiration and we say, oh, he was inspired to write that music, or inspired to write that poem, or that book, or whatever it might be. We are thinking of an an inner moving within that person's mind, and soul, and emotions, and so on. They are inspired. Well, actually, again, the term here used of God is, in a sense, uh, breathed out. God breathed out the Word of God. It's His Word, and He gave it to us, Peter would also write that uh, the scriptures were given to us as holy men of God, wrote, being moved by the Holy Spirit. So the statement is, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then it says that all scripture is, number one, profitable for doctrine. The term doctrine often used in a theological sense, and that's fine, but also it can be used in a more general sense of, of teaching. And the Bible is profitable for teaching in whatever area it might address. It is profitable, it says, for reproof. Boy, that's important. The term reproof speaks of exposing error. Now, there's a lot of thought and opinion and philosophy out there, there's a whole lot of religion out there, over 4,000 different religious groups, and they all have their teachings. Listen, you come back to the Bible and it will expose the error in every philosophy, every thought, every opinion, every religion. That's the wonderful thing about this book. We hold it in our hands, and if we'll study it, we can evaluate everything that's going on around us.
0: That's a part of its purpose. And then it says that the scripture was given for correction. Not only does
1: it expose Error, error in our own thinking, error in our views and opinions and standards, whatever it might be, it exposes the error. But then this book, this marvelous book that God has given us, will also correct us. It will bring us into line with God's truth. And then it says it is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Now, something righteous means something that is right. Uh, I want to live right. I want to do right. I want to think right. I want to act right. Whatever it might be, you and I should be committed to the desire of doing right. Well, this book, this Bible is profitable for instruction in righteousness. I love the Bible. I remember getting saved. I got saved in 1963, went to Bible college in 1964, and then from that time on, had my formal study of the Word of God, and then my continuing study for all these years. And I'll tell you, this book is inexhaustible. It is wonderful. Its truth is marvelous, but you never get it all. I study the scripture a lot. A lot of people do. And I'll come to my wife and I'll say, look at this or listen to this. I've never seen this or I've never seen it this way. And there's this inexhaustible book being opened up as we study it. Now, the Bible teaches us that it's the Holy Spirit who instructs us and gives us understanding of his word. And I hope you are a student of the Bible. Because where where I'm ultimately going, not only in this message today, but in the weeks to come, I'm going to talk about the Bible's message, and especially for a few weeks, uh,
0: about us, uh, who we are, how we function. Humanity is in trouble because people don't even know who
1: they are or what they are. But you come to the Bible, and it it meets you. Not only about all the things in the world, but it meets you to tell you about yourself and about God and a relationship with Him. And so it's it's marvelous and it's wonderful. But when you're if you're going to talk about those things, you have to believe that the Bible is true because the Bible is going to contradict an awful lot of the teaching and ideas and philosophy that is not only out in the world, but is accepted by many, many people. And you and I come along and say, Look, I've got this book in
0: my hand. I'm reading it and I am believing it. I hope that's where you are. You know, Isaiah spoke and he was referring to uh, religious teachers, false
1: religious teachers. And in chapter 8 of Isaiah and
0: verse 20, Isaiah said this To the law, and to the testimony,
1: if they speak not according to this word,
0: it is because there is no light in them. Now, that's a pretty powerful statement. Uh,
1: that's a challenging statement. That, that's a, a statement that can get people a little bit upset, but you know, that's where I stand. I hope that's where you stand. So you find somebody who's teaching or preaching or advocating for whatever their view might be, and then you and I take this position. Well, listen, if they don't speak according to the word of God, it's because there is no light in them. They are wrong. Now, that's bringing condemnation to a whole lot of people and a whole lot of teachers and a whole lot of preachers
0: and philosophers. But that's where you and I need to be, and again, I hope that's where you are. Now, I want to go to another scripture and spend a little time uh, talking about it,
1: and that's in Second uh, Peter, chapter three, where Paul—excuse me, uh, Peter—is writing. He's going to make reference to Paul. But Peter is writing, and he's talking about uh, the ways of God, uh, because people in the chapter, he's uh, referring to people who deny the return of Jesus Christ. And he lets us know the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And he also lets us know some eternal truth that someday God is going to create a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. And we're going to talk about that someday on the podcast, because I love that truth. But in the midst of it he is saying that that people question God and doubt God because the things that God says will happen have not happened yet. And so Peter is saying, well I want you to understand it's not because God is running late or somehow unable to do what he promised to do, but the seeming uh waiting period is because of the long suffering of God. And I, I love that because I want Jesus Christ to come back today. And uh, he may come today. I hope he does. But Peter says, well, understand this, that if he doesn't come back today, it isn't because he isn't eventually coming back. It's because of the long suffering of God. It's God who is not willing that any should perish. It's God who wants people to get saved. And he's giving time." For more and more people to come to Christ. But in the midst of that discussion, then, this is what Peter goes on to say. Listen to it. I said verse 16. Let me go back to verse 15. Peter says, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, and that's what we were just talking about. The long-suffering of the Lord is him, He's giving opportunity for more to get saved. If you've never been saved, you need to get saved today. And then he says that not only does he hold this view, but the apostle Paul holds this view, and he goes on and says this, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. That's a great statement, by the way. Peter is letting us know that he and Paul are in perfect harmony with their teaching and their views. Verse 16 goes on. Here's the verse I wanted to get to. He says, as also in all his, that would be Paul's epistles, Paul's letters, speaking in them of these
0: things, these things regarding the plan of God. Now listen to what he says in which are some things hard to be understood. Listen, the Apostle Paul wrote some things in his letters that are hard to understand.
1: Peter writes things that are hard to understand. There's a lot of things in the Bible that are hard to understand.
0: Now, here's the the warning that Peter is giving. He says, which they that are
1: unlearned. There are a lot of people are preaching and teaching and trying to tell you what's true, false, good, bad, whatever it might be, but they're unlearned because they don't know what the Bible says, or they don't believe what the Bible says. They are unlearned. And Peter says they are unstable. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of instability in the world, instability in people's thinking, instability in the whole workings of this world today, such as never before. But Peter's talking about those who are supposedly preaching the teaching,
0: uh, teaching the word of God, and they're unstable. And here's what he says. He says, they rest the scriptures.
1: The term in my King James Version is W-R-E-S-T, rest. It means to twist. He says they twist the scriptures, not only with regard to end time things, but he says they twist the scriptures
0: of all the areas of teaching, and they do it, he says, to their own destruction. Peter's letting us know there's an awful lot of false teaching in the world. There's a lot of things that are being said that aren't
1: true, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people who buy in to the lies, and they buy into the twisting of the scriptures.
0: So let me say a word about this book, the Bible. And again, I love it. I hope you do too. 40 writers, really over 40 writers, involved in producing this book. And over a period of 1,500 years. So the
1: Bible, we hold in our hand, we, we divide it, we call it 66 books of the Bible. 39 of the Old Testament, 27 of the New Those writings were written over a period of 1,500 years. But here's what's marvelous about them. The internal consistency, the consistent message of the Bible, a consistent message about God, a consistent message about the world, a consistent message about time, a consistent message of eternity. And as we sent, uh, said earlier, there is over those years of writings and through those
0: writers, th- there is a, an unveiling unfa- un, uh, of revelation.
1: There's a, a continual revealing until we get the whole
0: Bible in our hands. This Bible has much external evidence to prove it. And what is perhaps the most exciting of all is the prophetic fulfillment of the scriptures. You can go back in the Old Testament and begin
1: to follow prophecy. There are loads of prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ leading up to his birth, who he was, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in the little community of Bethlehem, and so much more about the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, the message of his death, but also the message of his resurrection, and then the promise that he would come again, and the promise that he will establish his kingdom on earth, and he will rule and reign on this earth. Those prophecies are marvelous, and they, they were unfolded in time for us to see up to the coming of Christ and then the death of Christ, and now we hold in our hands and cling to the wonderful promise that someday he'll come back. Prophetic fulfillment is a testimony to this book, Some have said the greatest testimony to this book, and I would hesitate to put it just that way, but many have said the greatest testimony to this book is the nation of Israel, because God in the Bible shows us when that nation started, and then God gave prophecy about Israel, and Israel was eventually taken to the land that God promised to that people. And then they were driven out of the land some 2,000 years ago. And now in fulfillment of prophecy, they are back in the land, back in that little nation of Israel, that little country. Right now, only about the size of New Jersey. The promise of God includes a whole lot more land than they've got right now. But there they are, back in the land, and there's more prophecy to come. And you just read the scriptures and you see the testimony of God about these people. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I want to say this about the Bible there are guidelines or principles for interpretation. And you do have to interpret the Bible. I want to talk about it for a few moments. It has been said that there is one interpretation and there are many applications, and uh, that's true, and we want to look at the Scripture that way when we study it. What is the interpretation? In other words, what was the message in that time when it was written? What was the intent of that message? And then there might be truth there that we can apply later and say, oh, well, the truth that God gave to those people can apply to us, and we can learn from it, and so on. But that's one of the basics. One interpretation, many applications. And then when you interpret the Scripture, you have to stay within the context of its writings. In other words, you you have to say when you read the Bible, when uh, when was it written?
0: And uh, to whom was it written? And who did the writing? Now, why is that kind of thing important? Well, a lot of scripture was written to and for the nation of Israel. There are promises given to Israel. There was
1: a whole law called the Mosaic Law that was given to Israel. It taught them how to live and function as a nation. But that law, Is not for us. There are some people who try to advocate getting the Mosaic law and putting it into practice in modern day nations. God gave that law to Israel. And we are not under that law. We're not supposed to be under that law. But if you read some of that, now you might try to apply some of the principles, but if you try to make that law applicable to a nation today, you are just way off base. And so we look and we say, well, Again, when was that written? To whom was it written? There's other truth written in the New Testament that is specifically for the church. It's not written for all people, it's written to the church, written for the church. There's other truth that is given for the whole world, and the whole world needs to hear it and believe it. Then, when you interpret Scripture, you have to compare Scripture with Scripture. In other words, you find this Scripture that talks about a subject, here's another Scripture that talks about that subject. Here's another one that talks about that subject. You might not get all the truth on a given subject in one verse. So you go to other scriptures and compare and get a full um, picture. And then this is important. You interpret the difficult by the simple. We just uh, made reference to 2 Peter, where Peter acknowledged that things in the Bible are hard to be understood. There are some things that are hard to be understood. So I go looking for a verse that expresses a matter very simply so that then I can go to the more difficult passage and and make sense out of it. So that's one of the principles. And then when you read the Bible and study the Bible, uh, you need to make allowance for um, figures of speech. In the Bible, there is typology, just like there would be in any of our modern day writings. In the Bible, you'll find figures of speech, you'll find uh, uh, similes, you'll find metaphors, you'll find symbolism, and again, that's what you find in modern-day writings. So we take the Bible literally, the message that is given is the message that we're supposed to believe. We don't try to spiritualize it. We don't try to give secret meanings to words. There are some who do that. No, we take the Bible and receive it as it is written. We allow for the context. We allow for figures of speech and typology and all those things. But all that taken into consideration, we take the Bible for what it says. We believe it. We're not ashamed of it. Things we don't understand,
0: we keep on studying it. Now. What am I getting at in even talking about the Bible in this particular podcast? Here's what I'm getting at. Every thought, every idea, every philosophy, every opinion needs to be measured by the teaching of the Bible.
1: Now, we've been making reference over the last few weeks to this uh, uh, gender issue and so on. And that's just one issue by way of illustration. But, you know, you have all kinds of opinions. Oh, there's all kinds of genders, and and science is saying this supposedly. But you know what? By the way, science does not support multi-genders. There's only two. But you come back to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say on the subject? That is what I'm going to believe we use the bible to judge what is true, what is false, what is good, what is bad, what is moral, what is immoral and we again we do that without apology. Now i'm saying that because over the coming weeks we're going to be talking about truth about humans, what we are, how we function and i want to focus on what does the bible say to help you and to better help
0: me understand what am i? As a human being, how do I think? What about this matter of
1: emotions? What about my makeup, spirit, soul, body? What what am I? Compare that somewhat with God and with angels and with animals and, and try to understand who we are and how we function. And I'll tell you why because a lot of people are messed up today.
0: And so we're going to talk about those things. I hope you'll be with us. Lord bless you until next time.